0: Listening to Law and Gospel on this Monday, August the 9th, in the year of our Lord 2021. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and as is our custom on Mondays, we take a look at a reading from the coming Sunday, which is the 12th Sunday after Pentecost, August the 15th, 2021. We're going to take a look at John chapter 6 verses 51 to 69. John chapter 6. This has already been spoken of in the previous week, where Jesus makes the point, namely, I am the bread of life. So, without further ado, verse 51. Jesus said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. So, Jesus is making a very simple point. That he is the bread that has come down from heaven. Remember, there was a bread in the days of Moses. It was called manna, which simply means, what is it? And it lasted for their years in the wilderness until they entered the promised land. And then it stopped because there was plenty of food in the promised land. Now, Jesus says that he is a living bread that came down from heaven. And whoever eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. So metaphors are really sometimes hard to understand. When Jesus says I am the living bread, what does he mean by that? Does that mean there is a certain kind of bread that we can eat that we will be saved through it? We'll we'll talk a little bit about that pretty soon. But at this point, Jesus is also speaking to those who lived before the coming of the Lord's Supper. When he talks about if anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. Now, you're an Israelite, you're hungry, you complain to God, and he sends down manna. And after the frost leaves the ground, they find this, Manna on the ground, and they're able to make bread out of it. And therefore, they trust the Lord that He will provide that whenever they need it. Now, they get a supply Sunday through Friday, but nothing comes down on Saturday, a day of rest. But what God says on Friday, pick up a double amount and therefore you'll be taken care of on Saturday. If you pick up double amounts Sunday through Thursday, guess what? They're rotten the next morning. So once more, the Israelites came to believe the promise of God given through Moses about bread from heaven. And they would eat that bread and they would live. When Jesus speaks about eating his bread, what he means once more is we believe the promises connected to him as the bread of life. And what's the main promise? It's found in verse 51 And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. What is he looking towards? His crucifixion. Now, the Jews are listening to Jesus because he's teaching this in Capernaum in the synagogue. And they begin to dispute among themselves. Verse 52. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, truly truly i say to you unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood you have no life in you now obviously we in the new testament immediately think about the lord's supper because in the lord's supper we truly receive the body of christ and the blood of christ in with and under the form Of bread and wine. So, how is that possible for those who live prior to the Lord's Supper? It's clear that eating the flesh of the Son of Man and drinking his blood actually refers to believing the promises that he will come and give his life for the sins of the world. That promise is found all the way back in Genesis, where God talking to the serpent says, the seed from Eve will come and crush your head, and you will wound his ankle. In other words, yes, the devil will be crushed and defeated, but in the process, Jesus will suffer. Therefore, those who believed that promise, as did Adam and Eve, and how do we know they believed it? Because when Cain was born, Eve said, this is the Lord. She thought Cain was a fulfillment of the promise. He was instead the first murderer. And the fulfillment of the promise was not to come about. Until when? Until Jesus came of the Virgin Mary. So, from Jesus' point of view, eating his flesh and drinking his blood means you trust the promises connected with that. And there are many promises found in the Old Testament. Psalm 22 talks about him being pierced in hands and feet, referring obviously to the crucifixion. And in many other parts of the Bible, we hear the details of Christ's life, born of a virgin, suffered under the governing authorities, was crucified, was whipped, they pulled out the hairs of his beard and many others in the Old Testament. And so those who trust the promises that Jesus will be giving his own flesh, therefore they are receiving the flesh and drinking his blood through faith. 54. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Now, eternal life actually begins not on judgment day. It begins on the day in which you are justified by God himself. For many of us, that was our baptism. For others, it was reading Holy Scripture. And faith was given to us by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, through that faith, we feed on his flesh, drink his blood, and therefore, we have eternal life. You see, nobody born today is born with eternal life. We're born with eternal death were part of Satan's crew, were part of his kingdom. That's why it's not unusual to hear a baptism, even of infants, as a form of exorcism, because what is happening is that the child is being taken from the kingdom of Satan and placed into the kingdom of God. So that's gonna happen to you as a believer. On the last day, you will be raised from the dead. Now, if you're still living, that means, according to the Bible, there will be a change in your body to one of perfection and a new spirit. If you have already died, your body will be raised from the dead and join with the Spirit already in heaven that occurred at your point of death, and you will live an eternity of life in heaven. Jesus says, For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. Now, that's faith. That's trusting promises. (laughs) Excuse me. So, as the living Father sent me, this is verse 57, and I live because of the Father. So whoever feeds on me, he will also live because of me. Remember, feeding on Jesus means to believe His promises that His flesh will be given for the sins of the world and that we who die in the flesh will be raised to eternal life on the last day. So, as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me he also will live because of me. An analogy can be used of a child to a parent. A parent promises to bring the child food to eat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, a bed to sleep in, clothes to wear, transportation to go to school. That child believes those promises And therefore, receives what the parent has promised. In a sense, the child feeds on the promises of the parents. And therefore, they will live because of that. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Verse 58. Not as the fathers ate and died. Remember? They ate of the manna, but because of the rebellion to enter into the promised land, only a few entered, and many other died ahead of time. But this is the bread that comes down from heaven, namely Jesus. And whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. And then John gives us a little information in verse 59. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. Now, we saw the reaction of the unbelieving Jews. What was the reaction of his disciples? When many of his disciples heard it, verse 60, they said, This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, Do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? Now that's a reference probably to the ascension that Jesus, after his death, after his resurrection, will ascend to heaven. So they are not to take offense at this, that eating his body and drinking his blood through faith saves them. It is the Spirit, verse 63, who gives life. The flesh is of no avail. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. You see, Jesus talks on two levels. In fact, God talks on two levels. The first is the secular level, where he has guidance as to how to live our lives here on earth. You got the Ten Commandments, you got the Sermon on the Mount, etc., But then he also speaks on the spiritual level, and that's the level in the holy Christian church. Now, in the secular level, there's not an eating of the body and blood of Christ. That occurs on the spiritual level when people believe the promises of God. Jesus goes on. You take offense at this? What were you to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is of no avail. Because the words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Even in Jesus' day, many believe the flesh is what saved them, namely by doing many good works. And they were proud of their good works. In fact, they thanked God they weren't like tax collectors because they were obeying the ceremonial laws. But no obedience to the ceremonial laws, the civil laws, or even the moral laws can offset what we owe God, namely eternal damnation because of our sin. So, when Jesus speaks, the words are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. And then John writes, For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe, and who it was who would betray him. Now, obviously, John is talking about Judas, and Jesus knew of that. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. This is such an important verse. How do we get to Jesus? We get to Jesus because God the Father grants it to us. And we're able, therefore, to come into his presence because of what the Father has granted. It it reminds us of another saying of Jesus. You did not choose me. I chose you. Therefore, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. This is a teaching in the Bible. And It discusses how we are elected. We're predestined to salvation. And how do you know that you're one of the predestined ones that you have received the gift of holy baptism and trust in the promises of Jesus? Now, here's what happened to a number of the disciples when they heard Jesus saying, you have to eat my body and drink my blood. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him. And this is part of the liturgy in our worship. Lord, to whom shall we go? You had the words of eternal life. And we believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. So this is a confession that Peter made. It wasn't a totally proper confession because it is clear from the Old Testament that the Holy One of God will die in Jerusalem at the hands of evildoers. And when Peter is told that by Jesus, he says, no, I'll protect you. That will never happen. Just like he says, I will never doubt you or deny you, which he did before the rooster crowed twice. So there is faith there that Jesus have the words of eternal life. We know that part of that conversation Jesus had was with also Mary and Martha when he talked to them about the resurrection from the dead of all who believe in him. And Martha said, well, we know that Lazarus will raise from the dead on the last day, and Jesus was saying, no, this is going to take place today. Jesus has the words of eternal life, and they are given to every believer. Where? In the words of holy baptism. Peter says that at the end of a sermon at Pentecost. And be baptized to receive... Number one, the gift of the forgiveness of sins. And number two, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now that's talked about a little bit in the epistle for today or this coming Sunday from Ephesians 5 where Paul says to the Ephesus church, walk as children of light, For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. We talk that as the third use of the law. The first use God makes of the law is for the government to keep peace, the second use is for the church to accuse individuals of being sinners and in need of a savior. And the third use God makes of the law is to help people to understand what his will is for believers. Now, nobody is saved by following the third use of the law. That is a part of the sanctified life. And the sanctified life is the result of having been justified by grace through faith on account of Jesus Christ. So, what we have this coming Sunday is not only a clear teaching of the body and blood of Christ, but it also can be spoken of when there is holy communion because as jesus said on the night in which they had the passover take heat this is my body given for you for the forgiveness of sins take drink this is my blood shed for the forgiveness of your sins And therefore, it is not an error to bring in the Lord's Supper in John chapter 6. It's just clearly taught also that that eating of the body of Christ and drinking of his blood occurred prior to the time of the institution of the Lord's Supper as through faith people believe the promises of jesus christ and those promises were heard throughout the world as jesus preached them in a synagogue in capernaum but how sad that there were some of the disciples who thought the saying was very hard namely that we have to eat his body and drink his blood and they left Jesus over that because ceremonial laws forbade the drinking of blood. But this was a new covenant that God established, and therefore it is as good as if God says it to you when you approach the communion table to receive the benefits of his death and his resurrection in receiving the very body and blood of Jesus Christ. It is important to have a proper understanding of the Lord's Supper because those who did not, in 1 Corinthians 11, some became ill and some even died even though they were Christian. On tomorrow's Law and Gospel, We'll be taking a look at a hymn with Pastor Mark Smith, O God, my faithful God, and we'll be tying it in to the lessons for this 12th Sunday after Pentecost. Until then, God bless you.